Well, today we continue our series in the book of Judges, and we continue to look at the downward spiral. We're at the heart of the book, three chapters that deal with Samson. The cultural impact of the story of Samson is quite impressive. His story has been depicted in movies like by the likes of Cecil B. DeMille and VeggieTales. His story has been told in songs by the likes of The Grateful Dead, Regina Spector, and my favorite, the blind Reverend Gary Davis. His story has been captured in paintings by the likes of Rembrandt, Gustave Dore, and Van Dyke. His story has been carved into sculptures by the likes of Michelangelo. His story has been dramatized in symphonies by the likes of George Friedrich Handel. Yes, the same musical genius that composed Handel's Messiah. His story has even been reimagined in novels by the likes of C.S. Lewis. Everyone who has read The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe will know the story that when Aslan, the king of Narnia, is bound and his mane is cut off and shaved at the stone table, Lewis expects the reader to remember Samson and Jesus. Unlike C.S. Lewis, most artistic depictions of Samson show him as a scantily clad, mostly naked, bodybuilding muscle man. Like a Marvel comic superhero performing incredible feats of strength, wreaking havoc on villains, rescuing damsels in distress, or resting in the afterglow of another escapade or conquest. The author of the book, Five Masculine Instincts, says he likes to imagine Samson in Ray-Bans, a man bun, and a CrossFit t-shirt hiking through some remote redstone canyon documenting his adventurous life on Instagram. He is the model man driven by passion and restless for adventure and romance. Clearly, we have a different idea about what makes for a model man. For all we know, Samson was just an ordinary, long-haired, fully bearded guy with a dad bod. Seriously, though, can you spot the problems with all of these cultural depictions of Samson? Most of them focus on Samson's physical appearance and attributes, They draw attention to his physical prowess, not to the spirit's power. In other words, they do with Samson what Samson himself did with himself. And that's part of our collective ongoing problem as the people of God. In spite of all warnings and counsel to the contrary, we continue to look on man's outward appearance and accomplishments while the Lord looks on the attitudes and actions of the heart. The question is, will we ever learn? The story of Samson gets a lot of attention in the book of Judges. It covers three chapters right in the heart of the book. It tells a complex and messy story about an ordinary man who was set apart by God for extraordinary purposes. One moment we see Samson with his head in heaven, the next with his fingers in the mire. 
On the one hand, Samson is the quintessential man of the flesh, the gangster of love, a joker, a smoker, a midnight toker who gets his loving on the run. On the other hand, Samson is the archetypal man of the spirit, a strong judge, a courageous leader, a prayer warrior, a bold savior. One day he is walking by faith. The next day he is walking by sight. And I think one reason we love Samson so much is because we relate to Samson. We see in Samson a picture of ourselves. We know about the conflict and the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. We feel that in our bones and we see it in his story. And so did Israel. Samson was the embodiment of his people, Israel. And like that nation, this judge experiences the infamous cycle of apostasy in his own personal life. His story reads like a tragic comedy. Some scenes are absurdly exaggerated, silly, campy, and funny. And other scenes are terribly explicit and violently graphic. The story of Samson is not safe for the whole family. But it was written for our instruction so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There's no way to cover his whole life in one sermon, so we're going to narrow our focus down to one scene in Samson's life. I preached on the birth of Samson in the summer of 2022, so it is only fitting now that I should preach on the death of Samson in the winter of 2024. As one of my friend's sons described my pastoral ministry, and I just found this out yesterday, he described it as, he gets them coming and going. <clears throat> For much of his life, Samson walked by sight, not by faith. When he saw a Philistine girl, he took her as his wife, even though God's law forbids marriage between believers and unbelievers. She was right in Samson's eyes, even though she was not right in God's eyes. When he saw honeycomb in a lion carcass, he took it and he ate it, even though it was forbidden for a Nazarite, a man who was set apart for God's holy purposes, to touch dead bodies. When he saw a prostitute, he went into her, even though God's law forbids sex outside of marriage, sex with someone who is not your lawfully wedded spouse. When he saw Delilah, he loved her. And what we see over the course of his life is that Samson was a man who was driven by the lust of his flesh, by the lust of his eyes, and by the pride of his life. In other words, Samson was driven by his love for the world, not by his love for the Lord. So when Samson tells Delilah all his heart, he seals his own fate. And it's at that moment that the course of his life takes a sharp turn for the worst and everything begins to unravel. The same heart that drove Samson to lust and see and take and eat also drove him to speak. Samson's heart deceived him and revealed the secret of his strength. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sold him out. 
Like the serpent in the garden, she seduced him, and his enemies subdued him, and his enemies cut off his hair and gouged out his eyes. And in that moment, we learn that the outward symbols of his strength and his weakness were cut off. And just as his heart was bound with sin, so now his body is bound with shackles. Friends, the body does not just keep the score. The body conforms to the heart. Now, as bad as all that might seem, and it is very bad, it's a terrible story, I want you to notice that all of that actually serves as a kind of severe mercy. The Lord loves Samson. And we know he loves Samson because he disciplines Samson. The Lord disciplines those he loves. So in this story, we see God using all the shame, pain, and misery that Samson experienced not to hurt Samson, but to heal Samson, to humble him before the Lord. And through that experience, through the time that he spent in blindness and weakness, Samson began to feel compunction in his soul. Compunction is a fancy word that has to do with the heart being pierced. It involves the cutting of his conscience, a circumcision of his heart, a change of his mind, a crying out in prayer, and communion with the Lord. God used these means of grace to renew Samson's spirit and to restore his strength, not for Samson's power and glory, but for the Lord's power and glory. So Samson humbled himself before the Lord, and the Lord lifted him up. And when we come to this last day of Samson's life, at the climax of his story, I want you to see what is unfolding here. I don't want you to miss the point that what is unfolding here is an all-out full-scale worship war. I said worship is life and everything else is just details. Well, today hear me say worship is warfare and it is for the glory of God and the life of the world. What you have happening here is a worship war. The Lord of the Philistines gather to sacrifice a great sacrifice to their fish god, the god of fertility, and to rejoice. And they proclaim a false gospel. They say, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Now to them, that gospel was true, but to us, that gospel is false. And not only that, when the people saw Samson, they praised their fish God and they sang false hymns to him. Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. They are singing the victory of their fish God over against the God of Israel. They use the word ravager here on purpose. The word ravager means the one who desolates our country and dries up our land. In other words, the Philistines were blaming Samson for the drought and the devastation that had come upon their country. And they believed that when they shaved his head and captured him and caused him to grind grain like an ox, that they had tamed and domesticated the God of Israel, which Samson represented. 
And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they call Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They're not asking Samson to put on a show. They're not asking him to perform tricks. They want Samson to make them laugh. Some scholars play up the wordplay in this story. And unfortunately, that only plays out in Hebrew, but not in English. But there is a way for us to play along. And let me show you what I mean. The Hebrew word for entertain here means make us laugh. And that word in Hebrew looks and sounds quite a bit like another Hebrew word that looks and sounds like the word crush. And so by using this word play, the divine author of Judges is letting us in on a joke that he's playing with the Philistines. He's letting the readers and the hearers of this story in on the punchline. The Philistines want Samson to make them laugh, but Samson will make them flat. They might laugh him to scorn, but he will grind them like corn. Now, how did Samson make them laugh? Not by telling jokes, not by performing tricks, not by acting silly. It is likely that the Philistines stripped off his clothes and made a spectacle of him in his nudity. Look at this circumcised man. This mighty warrior who has been turned into a muzzled weakling. This man who has been transformed into an ox. They exposed Samson to public humiliation, mocking and scorning and shaming him. And they were entertaining themselves at Samson's expense. At some point, Samson says to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. The temple is full of men and women. The lords and leaders of the Philistines are there. Hundreds and hundreds of people are gathered for this worship service. And they're all looking on while Samson entertained them. They are deriding him, but in his heart and in his spirit, he is deceiving them. He is going along to get along. He is playing a game with them because of what he intends to do next. Samson calls to the Lord and prays two things. Oh, Lord God, remember me. Could be that up to this point in his life, he has felt forgotten by God, forsaken by him. Oh, Lord God, remember me. And in his weakness, he prays the second thing. Strengthen me one more time, O Lord God. He's been brought to the end of himself, and he knows that whatever happens next must happen in the power and the grace of the true and living God and not in and of himself. Yes, he wants to be avenged on the Philistines for his two eyes. Not because he necessarily wants to see all that is around him, but because perhaps now he wants to see the true and living God. 
So Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight on them, his right hand on one, his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he literally stretched out and extended and offered all his power to these pillars. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. And the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. And he died with the Philistines. What just happened here? What happened is that Samson regained his strength in the spirit, and then he relinquished his life in service to God. Samson learned by experience what you have heard and what you know by the word of Jesus Christ. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Samson lost his hair, but found his heart. He lost his sight, but he gained his soul. Samson became weak in order to be strong. He became blind in order to see. He was bound in order to be set free. He was taken captive in order to take captive his own thoughts. He was crushed to death in order that God's people might be brought to life. And it is for this reason that the Holy Spirit says of Samson that by faith he conquered kingdoms, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, and was made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war. Now, if we stopped right now, you could walk away from this place with a bit of a history lesson some moral principles, and perhaps even a few spiritual insights. But you would not yet have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And since the Lord sends his ministers to preach the gospel, I feel compelled to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ from the scripture. Otherwise, this sermon will have no saving power, neither for you nor for me. This sermon will simply become as weak as any other ordinary message. So remember the foundational question for all of our scripture reading that we have tried to impress upon you over the last several years. What does this story have to do with Jesus? As you know from reading the story of Samson, it is not safe for the whole family, but it is salvific for the whole family because it was written for our instruction and our insight. As Jesus said to disciples on the road to Emmaus, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So if Jesus opens our minds to understand the scriptures, then we will be able to grasp that all of those stories are but a foretaste of things to come. They are but a foretaste of revealing to us who Jesus Christ is, and that includes the story of Samson. They were all but shadows of the reality who is Jesus Christ. So let me show you what I mean. If you were to go back over the whole story of Samson, asking the Spirit to show you and tell you what this story has to do with Jesus, then this is what you would see. Jesus is the true and better Samson, whose miraculous birth was announced to his mother by an angel of the Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and set apart for God's holy purposes, strengthened and stirred by the Spirit of God all the days of his life. Jesus is the true and better Samson who came from heaven and sought a bride for himself from among the nations who conquered that roaring lion who roams the earth seeking someone to devour, who truly honored and obeyed his mother and his father. Jesus is the true and better Samson, whose words are sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb, who brings the sweetness of life from the bitterness of death, who spoke in parables and gave the secrets of the kingdom to little children. Jesus is the true and better Samson, who gives a wedding feast for his family and friends and prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, who ate and drank with prostitutes and loved all sorts of women, even those who were caught in sin, and he treated them with dignity and integrity. Jesus is the true and better Samson who judges the living and the dead, who casts fire on the nations and draws water from the rock of salvation, who is the gateway to heaven and the door to salvation. Jesus is the true and better Samson who set aside his power and glory and surrendered himself and submitted to his Father's will. He was betrayed by a friend for a few pieces of silver, handed over to the Gentiles, and was denied three times. Jesus is the true and better Samson, who was bound with cords, afflicted in body and soul, blindfolded, mocked, beaten, scorned, bruised, and shamed, who was disfigured and transformed from the Son of Man into a beast of burden, who bore our sins in his body, carried his cross to the skull, and laid down his life for our sake. Jesus is the true and better Samson, who entered the strong man's house in weakness, And plundered it in strength. Who stretched out his arms to the left and the right with all his might. And brought down the stronghold of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Who struck down the strong man by becoming weak. Who became a captive to set captives free. Jesus is the true and better Samson. Who was born as the seed of woman. And came into the world to crush the serpent's head who suffered hostility from enemies, endured the cross and despised its shame, who was crucified in weakness but lives by the power of God. Jesus is the true and better Samson who disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in the cross. 
Jesus is the true and better Samson, whose body rested in the cleft of a rock. And when his spirit returned and he was restored to life, he rose from the dead and offers living water to everyone who thirsts. Who died for all so that all who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for him who for their sake died and was raised to life. The deeper magic that broke the stone table in Narnia, the deeper magic that tore down the temple of Dagon, is the same deeper magic that broke open the grave and loosened the grip of death on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that deeper magic is nothing less than the love of God in Christ. At the cross, Jesus showed everyone in heaven and on earth and under the earth that the weakness of God is stronger than the serpent's strength. Only Jesus was able and willing to pay the ultimate price for our deliverance, to do whatever it took to take down the strong man, to go all the way to hell and back again in order to defeat the strong man and crush the serpent's head. You have heard with your ears what this story has to do with Samson. And you have seen with your eyes what it has to do with Jesus. But now the question we ask is this. What does this story have to do with you? Perhaps like Samson, you have not loved the Lord your God with all your heart. Perhaps you have followed too much the devices and desires of your own lusts. So now what should you do? What can you do? What must you do? Humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord and he will lift you up. Pray to the Lord and ask him to remember you. To remember you the way he remembered Samson. To remember you the way he remembered the thief on the cross. To remember you in your moment of desperation. Pray to the Lord and ask him to strengthen you one more time in your time of need, in your moment of weakness, to strengthen you yet again. Ask your pastors where you should put your hands so that you may lean on the pillars in the church, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Stretch out your hands with all your might and take hold of Jesus even as he stretches out his hands with all his might to take hold of you. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and Savior and you will be saved. For no one, no one who turns to him will ever be put to shame. Everyone, everyone who trusts in him will be saved. So call on his name and he will lavish upon you all the riches of his glorious grace in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Lord, who has believed our message 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Send your spirit to convict us of our sins and our need of your grace. To comfort us in our sorrows and miseries. To change our hearts. To convert us to the way of the Lord Jesus. That we may be conformed to the image and likeness of our Savior. We pray that the word that you have sent forth today will not return empty to you, but that it will bear much fruit and accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. For this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the message of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For those who believe, deepen our faith, Anchor our hope, strengthen our love. For those who doubt, steady them, help them in their struggle, bring them to faith in Jesus. And for those who do not believe, we pray that you will grant them the grace and the gift of faith that they may reach for Christ, seek for him, and find him. For he is not far from any one of us. These things we ask and pray in his name. Amen.